This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. You are listening to Art Not Science, presented by the Physics Room Contemporary Art Space, a monthly podcast of artist talks, panel discussions, and other events. Tēnā tātou katoa. No mai hoki mai ki tēnei kaupapa korero, or the Physics Room. No mai, whakarongo mai, whakatau mai. My name is Abby Kinane, and I'm the director of the Physics Room, a contemporary art space dedicated to developing and promoting contemporary art and critical discourse in Aotearoa. Based in central Ototahi since 1996, we assist artists with resources and opportunities to enable creative and professional development and work to support the acknowledgement and understanding of contemporary art among New Zealanders. Our goal is to actively seek links between the arts and other areas of cultural production and to involve art as a contributing voice in wider intellectual, social and political debate. In this episode of Art Not Science, I chair a panel discussion with three local practitioners who use clay and ceramics in their work. In response to our current exhibition Bedrock with Emerita Bake, Maya MacDonald and Nawia Tutunguru, we invited Alex Ashworth, Caitlin Clark and Dave Marshall to talk about the politics and practicalities that come with using these materials and processes. They discuss their influences, inspirations and communities, as well as aspects of sourcing and firing materials within Aotearoa and beyond. We were also lucky to be joined by Maya MacDonald via Zoom. Alex Ashworth's practice works with ideas of identity and belonging through ceramic sculpture, focusing on narrative. She works from her home studio and personal reflection influences her work, which often evokes an emotional response. Holding a Bachelor in Fine Arts and Pre-Trader of the Year in Toolmaking, Alex's eclectic learning choices led her to explore clay through Otago Polytechnic. After graduating in 2018, it became apparent that uku was the medium she'd been searching for. Caitlin Clark is an artist based in Ototahi. Since graduating from Canterbury University with a BFA in 2017, Caitlin's work has been primarily focused on environmental issues to do with resource management, labour and familial memory. Caitlin's ceramics practice is based on forage clays and minerals. Alongside this, Caitlin holds sculptural, video, installation and public projects. Dave Marshall is a potter and artist currently based in Granity to Taiwapotini, the West Coast. Dave has worked with locally sourced clay and minerals in both pottery and painting for several years now. This has been a sustaining experience for him and he thinks there is a lot to be learned from the things around us the closer we go to their source. Now, let's head into the gallery to hear from the panellists. Kia ora mai tato. I'm really lucky today to be sitting beside some amazing artists, and we have another artist, Maya McDonald, who's with us on the computer here. Um, whereas we're talking in the context of Bedrock, which is an exhibition featuring the work of Maya McDonald, Emerita Bate, who's made the quilts, and then Nawia Tutumoro, who's made the works in the space next door. And basically, with this discussion today, we really wanted to elaborate on some of the ideas in Bedrock, very specifically looking at the medium of ceramic or uku or clay and thinking about some of the tikanga and the practicalities around working with that very specific medium and the forms, I guess, that come with that. So I have Katie Clark and Alex Ashworth and Dave Marshall with me. And Maya McDonald, of course. Maya, this is everyone. 
You're famous. Um, so I thought just to start off, maybe we can start with you, Katie. If you could just introduce yourself a little bit and talk about how you came to be your background with Clay, mm-hmm. and then maybe a little bit about your practice now, what that sort of looks like. Cool. Sure. Um, Katie. I started doing Clay when we were doing casting in first year at uni, and that was more about practical making of things and things like that. But um, I remember Bronwyn, who was my tutor at that time, laughing at me because I was just having real fun smushing my fingers into the balls of class okay and actually just casting my fingers and so I kind of continued through art school making all sorts of things and when I finished clay became um, sort of like a really enjoyable thing to do that you could do in your home and then I started really kind of connecting with it as in something that's quite like healing you know, you don't have to think so mm. much. It's that space of emptiness. It's just kind of like drawing for me. And then I kind of discovered, well, I really like walking as well. So I was up in the hills a lot and I was kind of finding all these rocks that were like wonderful. And I was like, oh, I want to make these. So I started kind of foraging a bit more and kind of coming across like clay deposits by accident or people were giving me things. And so my practice has really evolved from there where I kind of, you know, like, I got gifted this bag of clay from someone's yam plot in Dunedin. She, like, came up to me and was like, here's this clay. And I was like, oh, cool, okay. So, you know, working with various different types of clay and marbling them together. And my practice at the moment is really thinking about kind of how I can kind of be more active participant in the world where I'm aware of everything around me and I have a relationship with it through clay and through clay I have a relationship with being in, in the world instead of just like on it or around you know yeah mm-hmm. that's amazing to talk more about yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah Alex my base is in finance. I did film and I'm not sure how I made it through, but I did and I never want to make another movie again. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but from there, I'm I'm a maker, always have been a maker. So I've done tool making, got pre-trader of the year as nice. part of that and um, have always been a knitter, sewer, spinner, anything I could get my hands on really. My start of clay was doing like a rising home class, which is a community college, and then realising that I had the knack for it um, and then doing the diploma in ceramic arts through Otago Polytech. And I took a little bit of time to do that because I wanted to have my final year as part-time. So I got two full years to explore where I wanted to go as an artist. And during that time, I got all my technique right. So I learned all the technical skills I needed to carry on. But I wasn't quite ready to explore where being Māori sat within that. Mm. And then once I graduated from that diploma course... That's all I can make. So I've been making Wuku work for the last three years, four years maybe now. Yeah, and I've just started connecting a lot with the Ngākai Uku group in Wellington and up through the North Island. And um, I guess with my work, I'm just looking to tell the next part of the story. 
I've tried making work about other stuff, but I just ended up making it about me. So um, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I've been doing. That's yeah. Story. yeah. <laughs> Kia ora. Kia ora koutou, everyone. Uh, I'm Dave Marshall. How did I get into clay? I guess like I come to clay through like a fine arts background. I studied sculpture. I always tell the story. It got to like the last year of sculpture degree, and I was like, "What have I actually learned here? And like, what's actually around me that kind of that's there?" And it became obvious that there's like kilns and clay and glazes and stuff that had all been sitting there for about ten years, and no one had really like played with it that much. So that's what I picked up. So the last year of my degree, I was just like doing with clay all the time and learned quite a lot that way. And then I guess as time's gone by, uh, eventually I started, started getting to work with like local materials. Or I guess it dawned on me, it's like you have clay and you always buy it in a bag mm-hmm. and then you're like, wait a minute, this is like everywhere. So I started looking at like clay and how you source that, what it is which is like a whole trip into itself. Mm. And also like glaze materials and other materials. As soon as I started like delving into that, then like a whole another world of sort of possibilities open up. And you just start learning more and more and more. That's mm. fantastic. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, we really good to go a bit deeper into that, shall we? I just, I wondered if we sort of thinking about this, like where you can eat with clay in the first instance and then your practice in, present I was thinking about the sort of your sort of fucker bubble with clay or with creative practice in general and thinking about who um this is actually a question that came from Maya but who your mentors are or who you're like wise people that you go to with technical challenges and of course with challenges of concept and of process yeah who are you kind of able to turn to in those in those moments open to anything oh, okay. yeah. um well I'm part of Portal Pottery Club and uh-huh. so all the ladies there are just like great. They're scary, but they like know what they're doing. <laughs> um, it's taken me three years for them to want to talk to me. <laughs> Geological time. Yeah, yeah, actually, it is. Um, but now I'm like in ish. Then I've been really cool. Yeah, yeah, and I'm learning a lot from all of them. Some of them have been doing clay stuff for like you know 40, 50 years, and so yeah. it's just that level of knowledge that you've kind of got to dig into. But I think also I just find like. I just have this collection of nice stones and shells and stuff and I'll get them out and I'll lay them down and that's like the thing that really like drives me to keep making because it's like I just can never make anything as cool as what the ocean brings up or whatever, you know. Mm. Yeah, so those are my two things. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Who, who we look for for Yeah. yeah. For me, I'm friends with Hanarakina and she's just down the road for me mm. so we talk a lot about I guess the process and the awkwardness about telling your story in front of people. Yeah. Um, But recently I'm meant to be doing a big sculpture up in Auckland and I've got Karuna and Todd Douglas helping me out and they're part of the Māori clay group and sometimes I flip Bay Riddell and we type her a question when I need to and it's nice to have a a group of Māori makers that you can chat with about that who have been doing that for a long time. Yeah. 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 other than then I experiment and if yeah. it explodes, then it explodes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like maybe when I started out with the fine arts thing, it was in the fine arts world, which I don't know, it feels like a little bit more fragmentary and it was quite nice. As soon as I getting, got more into pottery and uh, just delved a little bit deeper with it and started to sort of learn the history 
then you start meeting all these different people and you have like a little bit of shared language from like you're dealing with clay and glazes and all this stuff and you kind of talk to people about that and just I guess I met like quite a lot of potters that were of like quite an older generation there's a bit of a gap probably like most people in their like 60s or 70s or so I think <laughs> but they were all really like willing to talk about clay and I just like do that thing have a chat about clay and so it's been amazing like with pottery just to come across that group of people that's really welcoming and is like happy to share knowledge and talk mm-hmm. and so I think. just a question to you Dave about being a part of the fine art world it's been quite a new thing for the fine art world to be accepting of uku or clay like it's quite a like a recent thing maybe in the last five years it's kind of happened yeah I hope so. Like, it's, it's kind of like a friendlier scene. I think, like, hopefully that's good. Like, the fine arts world is being more open and generous and, like, more community-focused or something. And maybe it's, like, going towards clay. Like, it's embracing that because it has all those good values to it. I don't know. Mm. It's an interesting thing. Is that the craft fine art debate? You are listening to Art Not Science, presented by the Physics Room Contemporary Art Space. Can we return to this thing of the sourcing of clay? And obviously, like I'm super new to this discussion, but it's definitely something I think about with really all materials, whether they're kind of organic or uh, synthetic materials it's a discussion that I want to say every but many contemporary artists are, are working through the problems of like sourcing ethically and uh, efficiently and maybe if each of you could just talk about where the clay that you work with is from maybe the issues that arise in that and some of the ways that you've been able to address them or decisions you've made around sourcing clay so I get a lot of my clay from around Tiwa Pounamu but I think uh, a lot of it is just through talking to people it's like the clay community mm. some of it is really terrible and it's just like turns into little body poos and <laughs> some of it explodes but I think that's the fun part about it is like you can never quite you just never know what it's going to look like when it comes out of the kiln so I think that drives me to keep playing I often just will go for a walk and find like a seam and will be like, oh, that's interesting. And maybe I'll return back with like a pot and take some. But I never take more than a bucket. I don't really need that much. Especially when you've got like three buckets worth mm. going at the same time. And that's kind of fun to like mix one bucket with another and blah, blah, blah. My favourite lot of clay that I've ever got is some that Dagan Wells like took Hamish and I down to in Riverton at this place called Gemstone Beach onto Waiwai Bay. And there's just these huge eroding cliffs, like they move every week, mm. basically, it's crazy. And there's just these massive boulders of clay. And I think I got three different colours from there. In Maya, you saw the one that's like, it's just like amazing. It's like white with black dots in it. It's like, you just, it's just so hard to use, but it's like amazing when you fire it. So mm. that's just like always the driving forces to find more things like that. Yeah. This is quite a new question, but how do you know when you see a scene, like, what do you see? Well, like, for instance, me and the cousins were up in Dunedin one time and we were walking up a hill that we used to go up quite a lot and Britain fell in the scene because it's just like soggy water. Oh. Yeah, it's just like, 
and you touch it, it's got that feeling like of clay. Slippery. Yeah, it's yeah. slippery. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like gritty, like dirt. Like yeah, yeah. Other soil, maybe. Like if you no, get a little it. sausage of it, and like, yeah. <laughs> so it's like that. Yeah, Do that. We're all licking our fingers together. I can't bet. Thank you. Um, oh, for me, I, I buy my clay, yeah, and then I recycle. So I'm still working on recycle that I have from the first. Yeah, I was using it. I only fire what I think is appropriate to fire because I can recycle anything that isn't fired in the kiln. I am planning on foraging, but for me it's really important that I fuck up to where I'm digging. So my plan is to go to have a bit of land in Arofenua, which is Tamuka, and I'll be digging and making a piece specific to do with my whakapapa from there. Mm. I do collect different sands in small amounts or um, I'll create like ash from tikoka or items like that and then I'll fire them and create glazing pieces from those but when I do it I'm very conscious of whose land I'm on and their story and how that mixes with my story and how I present it to other people and really to share the story around so that people, oh, I don't know, I can't change anyone else's mind, but I'd like to put it out there, the idea that mana whenua were there first, really. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> 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 well, just, yeah, cause, and, and especially if you're making money off the work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's really yeah. 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 Thank you. yeah, that's really true. When I was first looking at clay, I was like, oh, great, here's some clay. And I would, like, be greedy about it and then take it. And then it's like, it's not long before you figure out, like, what am I doing here? Mm. And you have to, like, start. Then all of these issues come up. What are you giving back? Whose land is it? Where does Mama Fenua fit in? Where do I fit into that? All these questions come up as soon as you actually start dealing with it. But I think I had to make a few mistakes (laughs) and be greedy and do something stupid and then be like, whoa, 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 what am I doing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it used to be that way. Someone would find a good scene, they'd give everyone a call. Yes. Everyone would come in. Yeah. And, and take, take some clay. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I can, yeah. 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 And it's not like clay is special in this respect. Like all natural resources, right, would raise similar questions. And then what's the alternative is like working with plastic or something. Mm-hmm. So it's not, um, not that I know of, is there a, is a, problem-free sort of medium. And there's a with. finite source of clay. Yeah. It yeah. takes 30 million years or something to make a seam uh-huh. <laughs> in the compression through the earth. So we have to be careful with that. Yeah. 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 There's other things to do with being Māori around that as well. And that's recognising Pākotuanuku and Hiniahuone as well. So mm. the first woman. I'm aware of that when I'm collecting anything. Mm. Yeah. Would you yeah. want to share the story of Hiniahuone? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so she's the first person, human, made out of clay by Tani. And so he fashioned her from clay and then went to give her hongi. And as he did, he sneezed and she came to life, which is why we say tihe maori ora. And they together had a child, Hinetitama. Tani made her his wife, so child and wife. She found out and decided she would, you know, is she the first case of suicide throughout that? I forget. Oh, yeah. And but she came, uh, Hinenui Te Po, 
anyway, the um, guardian of the underworld. So that whole family line is really important, and um, especially because mana wahine and because <laughs> Papa Tunuku is so... I don't like to get too spiritual about stuff, but it does all feed in when I'm making. And because the uku, that, that word comes from Papa Tunuku, it's all connected together whether we want it to be or not. So when we use uku as a translation for clay, it's not. It's so much more than just clay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a good story for thinking through the potentiality of clay as well, right? Like yeah. That is this living. It's like a, um, a body that moves and, yeah. and we connect with it through our body, you know, and it's it's a very um, intense feeling as mm. you're processing it through. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Maya, did you want to answer that question as well about sourcing clay? I know we spoke about it quite a lot during the development of this exhibition and um, also that the works in this room have all got different sources for the clay eh? yeah it was mainly because I was making up in the Coromandel and we were making and sourcing the clay and it was easy to find at that point but then when I moved back down to Taranaki it's not as easy to source clay in that area so I ended up sourcing Irish clay and the little strikers are actually made from the Coromandel clay. When I gave my artist talk I was actually talking around when I was sourcing the clay in the Coromandel going to Papatuanuku and you're taking that that ancestral knowledge with you. That was when I was using karakia and that neutralizes the space and basically takes any form of tapu into a state of noa. So yeah that was my that's my process of of collecting clay and neutralizing a space yeah have you worked with clay from taranaki i actually have never worked with any clay from taranaki but i'm really happy that i have not because there's just such a huge history of war the uku that i've worked with it always carries like a modi which is what I describe as like a, a feeling or a vibration. And I don't think I, yeah, I, it's quite a difficult one where I know there's just so many parasites and all sorts of terrible things that have happened up here. So I, yeah, I don't think I'd ever use the uku from Taranaki. Mm. Mm. That's really interesting. Yeah. You are listening to Art Not Science, presented by the Physics Room Contemporary Art Space. So I think I was thinking about sourcing and then moving into the next stage of working with the clay. Is there specific Tianga protocol, just practical things about working with clay that you've kind of learned that this is in the in the studio phase or in the making phase? Or if not in the firing process, again, are there particular maybe even speaking to the to the glazing, some of these aspects of process, I guess I'm thinking on one hand, practical things that you learned and on the other hand, all the other things that, that come with the practical. Quite a big question, sorry. <laughs> For a short version? <laughs> yeah. Can you return to your comment about glazes before and what you've learned about working with glazes in the local context? Ooh. I don't know if you guys feel this like glazes kind of a little bit different to pottery part, like kind of different worlds. Um, it takes a little bit to like switch your mind. I'll always be making clay and then I'll stop there and I won't be 
working as a clay anymore, I'll just go into glazing mm-hmm. if I'm doing that. Because the two are hard to describe, but just like different activities. How so? Is it like one feels more like science or more kind of like rational? Like what is the... Well, you go from like working with your hands, yeah. like glaze is quite often with a brush or pouring. Right. It's just a different sort of activity. It's like painting. And then clay, I don't know, it feels like a bit more physical. Mm-hmm. This painting is a bit more distance. Mm-hmm. Also, you might be trying to guess what the glaze is going to do as well. Mm-hmm. And it never really does what you want it to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe. So true. <laughs> sometimes you have, like, there are some issues where, like, a glaze doesn't fit with the clay. Like, sometimes that will happen. Mm-hmm. Which weird, weird stuff happens. There's like a material like incompatibility kind of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think Alex's show at Absolution was pretty fantastic in showing how the glazes were reacting with the clay. Because you're like, here's the clay, here's the glaze material. And you could see everyone was like looking at them like, oh, it's doing this. And that one's bubbling right up. Mm-hmm. Some of them totally fractured pieces because the exp- thermal expansion was different from the glaze item compared to what the clay was. Yeah. yeah. And were you aware of that going into it, that you were like... Oh, I'm like always to- prepared for anything to explode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that was just to show that I had 80 pieces and part of the story was having those 80 and whether they broke or not, they had to go in. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And those were the ones that sold straight away because people really like... The idea of the connection between the two things as well. Right. Yeah. 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 So the narrative of it actually being under so much pressure that it exploded. Yeah. 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 We're just making mini Earths inside our kilns, mm-hmm. really. We're mm-hmm. just speeding up the Earth's process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's such a cool way of seeing it. Yeah. So Why did they have to be 80? Uh, there were 80 because I wanted to use four colours of clay and blend them perfectly <laughs> so that they had an ombre effect. From brown to grey to white to mm-hmm. black to brown again for a full circle. Mm-hmm. And I needed four clays for Nahawefa, oh. the four ones. So, yeah. And there were 20 items that I wanted to use in the kiln as tonga rather than using them as just a cabbage tree leaf that I have 100 kilos of at my house on the ground. You know, I wanted people to see them as something a bit higher than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. I suck at glazing. I know nothing about it. <laughs> Are there alternatives? Like how, how can you yeah, you can do stuff like wood firing. Or, um, I've done one in Agama where it's this like big brown egg with like green spots on the top, and you're just like, how does this happen? But I actually try like I buy my clear glaze, and I only really use clear glaze because the clay underneath is so beautiful. I don't really want to cover it up, mm. and it's a world that I really want to explore more. But it's I kind of just get obsessed about the making side and don't really think too much about the glazing. Mm-hmm. One day I'll, I'll get there. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, that's a, a new area for me. Yeah. The glaze can often ruin a piece, actually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you good. can have a perfect <laughs> <laughs> and then you can glaze it and just fall out the window. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you have to be conscious of what you want to glaze it with while you're making. Really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even then it may not do what you want. And then you have to live with that thing for 10,000 years. <laughs> yeah. Go yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what I mean by that is as I'm making a form, if I'm going to glaze it, because I don't glaze very often anymore, I will know the colour scheme, understand what texture I'm expecting from a glaze with it and how the clay underneath will interact with the glaze on top to create that texture as well. Because mm-hmm. there are different stages where I could add colour. So I could add it before it's first fired in a bisque, so I could do slips. 
after it's fired in the bisque, I can do glazing, I can do underglazing, I could paint on that, you know, like there's lots of things you could do. I could even pit fire it, which isn't glazing, but it will give me colour depending on what ingredients I put in the pit mm-hmm. as well. So mm-hmm. it's just knowing what you kind of want your final vision to be like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think, um, Maya, we talked about that in your, your show that you had in Kirikiriroa. We had a long conversation about you using seaweed, I think, in the firing yeah. process. Was that right? That for the 100 clay pot series, that was where I'd been firing with Wee Typer and some of his students. There were so many different things that we put into the firing and you just, if it goes in, you can expect to maybe lose, lose everything. <laughs> Because it can go dreadfully wrong. Um, but I think, yeah, glazing's the same. It's it's a really dicey <laughs> part of clay making, mm. I think. Was that what you were talking about, Abby? But so it was an experimental process when you were firing with food scraps and whatnot. Yeah, just um, similar to what Alex was talking about with the pit. So it was a, it was a pit firing. Oh. And it gives you all sorts of amazing different tonalities on the clay body it's like from blacks to browns to like reddish colors yeah it's really beautiful and he's actually coming up to do a pit he's like the master of doing pit firings and coromandel all of that stuff was done in a wood fire kiln Mm -hmm. the ones that are in the exhibition bedrock are gas fire Gas is sort of quite reasonably similar to wood. Yeah. I, in, in what respect? It achieves a similar effect? It just seems to bring out quite a natural effect rather than with electric kilns. It just has a really deadened effect. You don't really get the same vibrancy on the surface of the pots. Yeah. Is that because of a heat? Is it the heat difference? Or is it just all these different properties? The removal of oxygen. Yeah. Right. I think it's the vitrification process. Yeah. Yeah. You are listening to Art Not Science, presented by the Physics Room Contemporary Art Space. I just have a couple more questions. I sort of raised a couple of challenges or problems or issues, but I just wondered if you would like to talk about some of the core problems we can think of a different term for this but in your practice like something that you kind of return to again and again is a kind of gristle that you're um that you're wrestling with or that keeps you interested in that in that process i kind of wrestle with when the nelson seam ran out everyone was like oh how am i going to buy my clay anymore and it was kind of frustrating because you can just go out and find it and you know i just find the fact that you can dig up clay and you have to pay like $65 for a bag for and then it's like dead and not made of nice stuff and half the stuff you get's like too wet and then there's it's just out there and it's got so much more personality and you can have a conversation with it and it's interesting and it means that you have to actually negotiate with the land and the thing of people around you to look after it and have it I just find it irritating when it's just that, that deadened awareness of what you're actually buying. You know, it's just like ignoring the actual understanding of what clay is. And I think that's a precious thing. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm. 
I think it's just more about like being aware of what you're doing and your hobby is has an impact somewhere. Just like you know, your water ski wrecks the the lake, fish. You know, you gotta look after what you're doing. Mm. Yeah, same thing. I think. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Like logic, but a really, really difficult logic. Yeah. 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 And that's just the thing I think about a lot. It's just I I want to have conversations with people about where we get our things from and mm. how we look after where we get our things from. Mm. Yeah. So for you, like sourcing clay that's locally and like just taking the amount you need is like a, is one. Yeah, and I I I like to give back a small pot that I make to that place, and or I return to that place and kind of hang out there. But you don't need to take much to make much, and you don't need to you don't need to hide that either. I think it's important for you to not just be like this is my seam and I'm not letting anyone near it because right. that's the same thing. It's like just like buying the clay basically. Yeah. Mm. about being nice to the ground yeah <laughs> <laughs> and I think the thing I struggle with most is allowing myself to make work about me and not think that I'm telling everyone it's me 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 all the time <laughs> um, and, and having it open enough that an audience can put themselves in it as well. So I'm, I'm working on that all the time. I think I also struggle with being okay with being tongue to whenua sometimes and to deal with my upbringing around that. Mm-hmm. And I work through that with every piece I end up making. And sometimes that can push me forward and sometimes it can throw me back 10 steps, but just depends which part of the story we're looking at, really. Yeah, sure. Um, when it comes to making... I feel confident in making most things, yeah. But I'm at the moment exploring how different textures work together with clay, so I'm making some embroidery work that can fit together with clay sculpture. So, oh, maybe. yeah. Sounds cool. Yeah. I'd love to do it as tarnical, but yeah. the more hobbies I have, the less time I have for clay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So we're working on it, and because yeah. I'm currently doing a carving mentorship, so I'm, I'm seeing how I can work those things in together and just sort of move forward baby steps you know, yeah baby steps but always in the right direction yeah yeah i guess one way of thinking about it is like if you sort of de-individualize yourself and you're not know, like talking about yourself all the time yeah you're obviously like very yeah. connected with a bunch of other things and people i have to process a lot about what i'm writing about the work <laughs> so i try and get the work done a lot earlier than perhaps I would like to so that I can have time to sit with it and to when I write about it have it open for people mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah um but I have noticed that people will put themselves into work no matter what it is even if I think it's all about me so oh, that's yeah. been really nice to see yeah yeah, like yeah. it's a relationship right? yeah yeah what about you? What's your problem? <laughs> <laughs> you can go wide. I think like Caitlin summed it really well. Like all those sort of issues that we face around like using material. Just as soon as you're working more intimately with the material, a lot more things become apparent that maybe you weren't thinking about before. Mm. Like it's interesting where I think back like a few years ago when I first got into clay people were talking about oh it's got to be this sort of porcelain from like Jingdijian and stuff and then yeah. you have to import it over here and it's the most prestigious porcelain and then was it to like achieve a particular finishing? Well it's like, just like high value materials yeah. I think there's certain clays are like this is the pinnacle of clay and then it's like great that that's, that can 
that doesn't seem to be the conversation now that mm. like you can talk about local plays and they could be ugly and they could be shit but you could still make something really rich out of it. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, as soon as you start dealing with it, probably one of the biggest problems I have is like I like wood firing and it uses up an enormous amount of wood. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then it's like, why am I doing this? Like, how is this helping? There's like all this like carbon going into the atmosphere for this thing. And then that really makes you think like you really have to own it it's like mm. if you're going to make this thing like that's a lot of effort and you're putting all this stuff into the sky you've really got to put something into it maybe which yeah, is a bit of pressure sometimes yeah so. we have awesome porcelain here it just doesn't come to us that's true it's yeah. like goes offshore most yeah of it goes into space stations paper and dental oh that's yeah in the totally bay yeah. yeah cosmetics like beautiful it feels like a foundation or something right yeah <laughs> <laughs> but we don't get it <laughs> well you can you can just like just turn up outside the factory <laughs> yeah. and just ground it <laughs> yeah. have you done that? yeah <laughs> it's pretty cool like a little drainage ditch like a, like a little bit of crest back and I hope that the crest sort of takes off in that little drainage awesome. ditch nice Uh, this is sort of a final question it's also quite a big one but I just wonder if you could touch on the sort of core narrative that you keep coming back to in your work like if there is a core narrative I don't know just like maintains momentum through your practice I guess I always I always want to come back to narrative even though discussions a bit more about processes and practicalities and yeah all the practices that allow that but I'm just like I just wonder if you could return to kind of the core idea that's motivating you that's big um (laughs) I think my core narrative is, yet again, kind of that same thing. It's just about, like, feeling in something instead of just, like, on it. Like, I want Mm -hmm. to kind of feel sort of swallowed by the hills that I'm in and think that walking around the poor hills and maybe, like, picking up a stone and looking at it or, you know, just having a good sit somewhere play does that for me too and by feeling sort of connected to the earth I feel a bit more connected to my body and myself and the people around me and I can kind of maybe be a better person if I'm able to make stuff and I've always made things since I was very young (laughs) one of my biggest memories is actually like having a large collection of stones hidden in my wardrobe (laughs) (laughs) that is kind of part of me as I need to make things and I need to feel connected while I'm making them so mm. I just need to do it otherwise I think I explode yeah 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 that's a really convincing motivation yeah 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 my narrative is always identity and connection yeah and often I'm trying to work within a piece to figure out within myself where Pākehā and Māori begin and end and to open that out for people to see different versions of how that story goes and be okay with that, not in an attacking way, mm-hmm. but it's so people can understand how exhausting it can be sometimes mm-hmm. to not really ever fit in either side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes it's about motherhood. Yeah. And sometimes it's about autism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But all of it is about connecting. Yeah, and I just want people to feel something. Mm. Yeah. I think that the thing that's happened for me is I found, like, when you're working with clay, once you start 
making something the next process is already sort of moving on mm. it's like as soon as you start working with the clay it's drying out and you have to be doing something else before the next step is happening and so I just feel like the more work with clay the more things kind of snowball anyway that's been the thing I think that's what keeps me going mm. I don't know if that's the narrative it's just like yeah, it's almost like the material is really dynamic. It's so lovely. Like it's just like it will like carry you along. And yeah. it's like that's really fantastic. I yeah. Think. And it's more than just the clay. It's like once you work with the clay, there's like a, there's like a knowledge about like land and then people as well, like the communities that exist there. When one isn't working, you can sort of move into the other. Well, like we'll just move that way anyway, mm. which is just like lovely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what keeps me doing it. I think. That's such an interesting answer. Yeah. Maya, did you want to respond to that as well? There's no question. I think my narrative, I see a lot of similarities to what Alex is sort of touching on. It's sort of like personal identity and really connecting with people. I Mm. think that's really important and fundamental to the work that I'm doing and as you can see with the work that's in the space is like wanting the audience to activate those pieces. Yeah. So I think that's my core narrative being tangata whenua, but having a relationship with also my Pākehā side. So that obviously comes through. So there's that as well. Yeah. Thanks, Maya. Really? We draw this to close. I really want to thank you guys. I know it's really difficult to talk about something. <laughs> Maybe it's not so hard for you to like actually don't do anything. <laughs> it's really, it's really a lot to be able to talk about and around and through your practice. So I really, really appreciate that. And I think you've, you've really shared some amazing things about your process you. and ideas. And we'll bring bring this back to a close. So thank you. That was Alex Ashworth. Caitlin Clark, Dave Marshall, and Maya McDonald talking about working with clay. Come in and see the unique forms and textures of Maya McDonald's ceramics in our current exhibition, Bedrock, before the exhibition closes on Sunday the 30th of May. The gallery is open 11am to 5pm on Tuesdays through Fridays and 11am to 4pm on Saturdays and Sundays. Thank you for listening and tune in again next month on Friday 18 June at 8pm for our next episode of Art Not Science. Matiwa. The Physics Room is generously supported by Creative New Zealand, the Christchurch City Council, the Rata Foundation, Three Boys Brewery, Scientech, Resine Paints, and the Crater Rim. <laughs> <laughs>